there any here who have just graduated or who are about to graduate? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe more next service. This is uh, that time of year, isn't it? And uh, we are so thankful for. Ah! There's one incognito hiding. All right. Well, uh, um, we want to be praying for you. What's, uh, what's happening next year? Awesome. Awesome. Well, we uh, want to be praying for all of our graduates, and, and we are really proud of you. Thank you. Um, next week, we, um, there is a team of us. There's been a, a trip in the works for this entire year, and the details have finally, finally come together. There's a team of us going with Near East Organization to um, Lebanon in mid-September. Um, the focus, it's, it's the first team, to my knowledge, that is going with this organization in order to serve. Uh, they have taken teams to see what God's doing, but our focus is to join with national believers and serve alongside them. And uh, the emphasis is going to be on ministry to women. Um, at, and in Lebanon... As in much of the Middle East, uh, God is doing an incredible work. Many, many people from a, a Muslim background are coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And on a, on a biblical scale, it's something you won't hear about in, in the media for a whole lot of reasons, but it's happening. And uh, as you can imagine, women coming out of that culture, at the very least, they need to know who Christ has made them and, and how they have been set free and, and their worth and value in God's sight. Um, at worst, they, they need healing from a lot of abuse and oppression. And so that's going to be the, the focus. We're working with a team that's on the ground. You may remember Nadim, who was here in November. He is working along with uh, Michelle Kluwer, one of the only uh, Americans on the team there. And anyway, there's uh, three people that are part of the, the, the team from Hilltop. That would be Marla Tomchuk, Linda Ply, and Cindy Craig. And one gentleman from Valley Christian Fellowship. And we're all going to be heading over to mid-September. We're all going to be available after the services next week to answer any questions you might have. If you would like to be a, a partner in prayer, prayer is super, super important uh, in ministry in this part of the world. And, so, um, and, and if you want to partner financially, you'll have that opportunity as well. So anyway, that's next week. And uh, congratulations, graduates. Now, we, we are beginning a study in Revelation. We'll be in Revelation chapter 1 uh, this morning. We've all heard of uh, spoiler alerts. I hope you haven't been a spoiler. Uh, that's where there's a new book or movie that's popular and a spoiler, you know, they blurt out the ending. Um, there was a, a kind of an unbelievable story that uh, relates to that. I heard a few years ago, um, you may remember when that 
movie about JFK came out with Kevin Costner, and we, we knew some people who were um, in line to get tickets to that, and, and they were discussing uh, how, how the assassination might be uh, uh, dramatized, and somebody behind in the, uh, the line was all miffed. They said, you've given away the ending. A little scary, right? <laughs> no. um, we, we are uh, about to begin a summer series in, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, which is, the whole book of Revelation is God's spoiler for the end, for the culmination of human history. Now, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 uh, are the risen Lord Jesus' personal messages to seven churches, which are located in modern-day Turkey or they were located in modern-day Turkey. Uh, today, we're going to begin, uh, and next week, by looking at chapter 1, which reveals the one behind all human history, the one who is greater than history itself, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for just this time to, um, to have worshipped you, um, as, as Claire said, for who you are. And we are in awe of what you've done. Help us to just, through your word, uh, just draw back the curtain so that we see who you are. We realize what you're doing in our lives and in our world. And we, we trust you and we act accordingly. Just change us through your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Revelation was written by the Apostle John, and it was written toward the end of his life. And he was a teenager. It's estimated he was a teenager. So, you know, if you, if you round off that he was 21 when Jesus was crucified, he may even have been younger. Uh, this book was written in the late uh, 80s or early 90s. And so John was in his late 60s or early 70s. Um, he was exiled at this time on the Isle of uh, Patmos. And according to, now this is not, this is not verified fact, but it's a, a story written by Tertullian. He is an early Christian writer uh, who lived in North Africa. Uh, John was exiled after an attempt to execute him failed. Now, executions usually don't fail. Um, but this one did. Uh, John was to be executed in, in Rome by being plunged into a vat of boiling oil, which he was. And he remained unharmed. And everyone who witnessed that, who would kind of gather around, you know, the crowds are kind of the same then as they are now. Oh, something, you know, we're going to go watch this. And instead, they believed in Jesus. That didn't work out so well for Domitian, the emperor, who actually was persecuting Christians. And so to minimize John's influence, he had him exiled to the Isle of Patmos. However, that didn't stop. John at all. He, uh, he wrote his gospel, he wrote his letters, and he wrote Revelation. And uh, Revelation is the only New Testament book devoted exclusively to prophecy. Let's read the, uh, I'll read the first 
eight verses of, of Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and who hears the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Wow. Now, this, this uh, book, it begins by, uh, John calls it the, the revelation, the apocalypse. That means the unveiling. It doesn't mean uh, it has come to mean a disaster. That isn't exactly what the word means. It just means unveiling, a, a, a revealing of something that was previously unknown or hidden. Now, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ about him and his work throughout time. And uh, from beginning to end, it is an unveiling by God of things that we could never have known otherwise. Now, God the Father, he, he describes the, the trajectory of this revelation. God the Father revealed it to the Son, and Jesus has shown it to his bondservants. That's you and me. Things that must shortly take place. Now, there is an emphasis on time in this brief introduction to the book. There is an urgency. There's a sense of urgency to pay attention, to read it, to listen, and to act because time is short. The time for these events to happen is near. Now, Revelation is not only the last book in the Bible, but it is the culmination. It's the end of the story. It's the spoiler, right? Uh, it's the fulfillment of prophecies made throughout all of Scripture. It's like the hub of the wheel. Prophecies made throughout Scripture from Genesis all the way to here find their fulfillment and their culmination in the history that's spelled out in Revelation. God is ready to act. And we'll be part of what he does. And we want to be paying attention. We want to be alert and working with him as he acts. So we want to pay attention to the references to time and God's working within time in this passage. Time's about up. When have you heard that? 
<laughs> maybe back in school, right, when uh, <laughs> you're about uh, a test is up, or maybe you've got a job that uh, you need to finish, or taxes, any deadline, any deadline, time is about up. And how do, you re- how do we respond when we hear that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We might panic. Uh, we, we, we pay attention, right? And quite often we, we redouble our efforts. We get uh, uh, even, even busier. Um, listen is the theme of this series, and that, that title is really appropriate because God wants us to listen to him as he uh, dictates, as Jesus dictates these letters to the seven churches. He wants us to pay attention, to listen, and to act. Not just to listen, but to respond. And this is really important. We, we find out that God is going to wrap up human history soon, and he's at work in it. And think of how people have, have responded to that fact through, through history. Sometimes they've, uh, um, especially people who've been involved in cults, they've sold everything and put on white robes and waited on a hill and waited for uh, uh, Jesus to return because they thought they knew the particular date. That isn't the way God wants us to respond at all. Peter, in, in his letter, says the in 1 Peter 4, he says, the end of all things is at hand. And that's to change our lives. And, and the things that Peter mentions in 1 Peter 4 is, be of sound judgment and, and sober mind, but, you know, make good decisions. Pray a lot. Love others fervently. Serve using your gifts. Make the most of the, the opportunities that we have because the time is almost up. And personally, we don't know when our time is up. None of us know how many days we have. And that, and that isn't said in any kind of scary or guilt-producing way at all. It's just a fact, right? None of us No, and we want to be as productive as possible to make the most of the time that we have. And it it doesn't hurt to be reminded that the time is almost up. Now, you might ask yourself, uh, it's been over 1,900 years since the book of Revelation is written. How, How are these events imminent? Well... They're already taking place. For one, the messages to the churches are relevant right now. They are powerful. They're addressed to us. Many uh, feel that the, the letters to the churches describe the condition of the church at different points in time. Uh, it's also true that at any point in time, you can find churches that match each of the ones described in, in Revelation, even Hilltop. The messages are relevant. And also, God's view of time is much different than ours. Two examples. Moses wrote in Psalm 90, for a thousand years in your sight, God, are like yesterday when it's past and like a watch in the night. Peter repeats that same idea uh, that that. There's not only time is different from God's point of view, but there's a reason. There's a reason that he's waited. 
1,900 years. But beloved, don't forget this one thing. This is 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. That's exactly what Moses said. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. In other words, he hasn't forgotten as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus is waiting to return so that more people can believe. If, if you are debating, struggling, questioning whether you know Jesus as, as your Lord, he is waiting for you. Don't leave today without having your questions answered about who Jesus is. It's important. Verse 2, the, the father gave this revelation to his son, and then, and then Jesus visited the apostle John himself, and he also sent his angel to him. Angels play a big role in the book of Revelation. Uh, and then John testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So he kind of wrote this as a, as a PS after, after he had seen everything that he wrote in the book of Revelation. And you kind of go, whoa, you know, he, he must have been overwhelmed. What he saw included the entire sweep of human history from before time until now, until uh, the events, particularly just before Jesus returns, and then the new heavens and the earth and into eternity. All that he saw takes up a lot of ground. Um, Revelation is a book where, where John uses different language. He uses a lot of signs and symbols and images and, and pictures. And that accounts for some of the confusion that, that people experience when they read Revelation. But think of this. Think of a man who lived 1,900 years ago trying to describe even today and put it in terms that he could relate to. He'd have to use word pictures, wouldn't he? Think of him seeing Jesus Christ in glory as he did, and we'll relate in the passage we'll look at next week. He would have, it, words would fail to describe what he's seeing. And that's why so much figurative language, so many comparisons, it looks like this, it looks like this. He, he couldn't do anything else. And so uh, just be prepared for that in the book of Revelation. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hears the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Hear that urgency again. Um, now, there are three sources of blessing mentioned here. From reading the prophecy, from hearing it, and from heeding that. That means paying really careful attention and guarding what's said as valuable. Now, this blessing, please, it's not of the chain letter variety. Doesn't that make you sick, right? Uh, you know, please repost this on Facebook to 20 people and you'll be blessed. No, that's not what it is. It isn't like uh, uh, do something repetitively many, many times. No, we are blessed if we pay attention and we do something and we change 
then God is working out his, his will in our lives because time's about up. And we need to live that way. Verses 4 through 6 begin the, the letter that continues in chapters 2 and 3. Uh, begins greeting these seven churches that are in modern-day Turkey, and we'll take a look at them next week. Uh, John sends God's grace and peace to them from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is Him who is and who was and who is to come. Again, the emphasis on God in time. There is never a time that God was not. Just like Kurt taught last week in Exodus 3, I am that I am. God always is. And that's really important for a whole lot of reasons. It's from the Holy Spirit. Now, he's mentioned as the seven spirits before his throne. This expression is used a couple of times in the book of Revelation. And, there, and of course, there's a little confusion about it. Uh, I don't believe it refers to angels because John identifies angels clearly when he speaks of them. They're not seven different spirits, of course, but one. He's going to speak to the seven churches. And uh, it's powerful that God, the Holy Spirit, is not only in, in heaven, in God's presence, but he indwells us individually and as a church that gives great importance to what he has to say to us and great significance to what we do and great power in what God will bear, bring to bear as we trust him. And we'll see next week that angels uh, are identified um, as as seven stars and seven lampstands in, in God's presence are the churches themselves. So there's greetings from the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Jesus is the faithful witness of the Father. We know who God the Father is by looking at Jesus. John wrote in his gospel in John 1, 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Who, he who has seen me, Jesus said, has seen the father. And Jesus is the first to be raised from the dead as will all of us who have trusted in him. And he's the ruler over all. So much of the conflict that you read about in Revelation is caused by men and angels who want the power and the authority that's due only to God. He is the rightful ruler of heaven and earth. And Revelation focuses on the, the struggle, the, the power struggle of men and angels that occurs just prior to Jesus returning as King of Kings. And in the midst of our world, which, you know, you got to stay informed of what's going on, but every time you do, it kind of breaks your heart. In the middle of our world full of conflict and evil and trouble and frustration and heartache, your, your heart just goes out to these workers in Virginia City. They just went to work. 
and then evil fell on them. That's our world. In the midst of all of that, there is Jesus. There's Jesus. And he, the rest of our verses this morning really are, are a song of worship, focusing, as our worship team did, on who Jesus is. And that's really important for us as we live in this world that's just kind of overrun with evil at the moment. That's not the end of the story. The time is almost John writes this, it's, it's almost like he breaks out in the song here in, uh, in verse 5. And he says, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus loves us, but not in word only. He set us free from our sins completely. He paid the price to cleanse us with his own blood. Now, John stood there and watched Jesus' sacrifice, but I'm sure uh, for him, as with all of the disciples, the full significance of what he saw with his own eyes did not sink in until much afterwards. I'm sure John, as a teenager, spent the rest of his life just meditating on all that Jesus said and did and communicating that to us. Now, we've been uh, made a, a kingdom of priests or a kingdom, priests to God. We're now part of God's kingdom. We've been moved from the kingdom of darkness in which all of us have lived and we're transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. A lot of talk about citizenship these days. We emigrate and immigration. We have emigrated from the kingdom of darkness and we are now citizens of Jesus' kingdom. And not only are we citizens of that kingdom, we now have a new position. We have a special position. We're a kingdom of priests. The apostle Paul says that as we present our bodies, a living sacrifice. That's our service of worship. In other words, that's what priests did. They sacrificed and they led in worship. So as we live our lives dedicated to Jesus and he lives his life through us, we're serving as a kingdom of priests. Others see what we're doing and, and our lives themselves are an act of worship. And they can see and recognize Jesus in what we do and say. To Jesus be glory and dominion forever and ever. This is the conclusion to which all of history is moving, the recognition of who Jesus really is. And it's wonderful for us to recognize who he is right now. That's one reason we gather like this. That's one reason we worship. It's, it, it's why we love on each other. It's why we serve because of who Jesus is. To him be glory and dominion forever. Now in verses 7 and 8, uh, John had heard Jesus himself teach about how he was going to return in power and great glory. Now, uh, after... John has said, 
God show me a lot of stuff and I'm going to relate, relate it to you. He reminds us of a very simple but important fact. It's the focus of the entire book. Jesus is returning soon. That's really important for us to keep in mind. He is returning soon and everyone's going to know it. And, and the, the point is, listen and respond. This is going to happen soon. Uh, some of the churches that are going to be addressed in the letters that we'll look at this summer, they, they are about to face severe suffering because of their faith. I, I think of churches in, in some of the Muslim nations and in North Korea and in, in Sudan and North Africa, and that's where they're living right now. Imagine how encouraging it is to know that Jesus is going to return as they face that kind of suffering. Some churches had fallen asleep. Some weren't even following Jesus at all. For them, knowing that he is going to return is a wake-up call or a, a, a kick in the posterior to wake up. He's returning soon. And, uh, and the way that John reminds us is he quotes from two Old Testament prophets who both saw Jesus coming, Daniel and Zechariah. Uh, the way John puts it is, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Now, Daniel, the prophet Daniel saw Jesus coming in a vision. This is what he wrote in Daniel 7. I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion, glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now Jesus was condemned to death for blasphemy by the high priest for applying this verse to himself. When Caiaphas asked Jesus if he was the Messiah, this was his reply. I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, the clouds that accompany Jesus when he returns uh, may be that cloud of God's glory that that always accompanied the visible presence of God in the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory. It might also be us, because we're described as a cloud of witnesses, uh, the people who've been uh, dead in Christ that'll rise first. When Jesus comes to rule and reign on the earth, we're going to come with him. And he is glorified in an amazing way through us. So it might be both. We just don't know. But when the point is, when Jesus returns, everyone will know it. Those who have believed in him and those who have not. Now, when he returns, God will have done an amazing work in the nation of Israel. They are going to recognize Jesus as the Messiah that they rejected. And we are representatives, on, unless we're of a Jewish background, we're representative of many different people groups or tribes in the earth. And 
there's going to be both joy and mourning when we see Jesus. Joy because of, wow, we finally see him. But there's mourning too because there's going to be a recognition of what it cost him. And that was for us too. Zechariah, the prophet, speaks of when Jesus returned and there's this recognition by Israel that they rejected their Messiah. In Zechariah 12, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Again, we've experienced that same feeling, haven't we? You know, sorrow over the time that we overlooked or rejected Jesus. But of course, that sorrow is related, replaced by the joy of knowing him. We're not to live there, but it's a good reminder. Don't waste any more. None of us want to waste any more time just living for ourselves. We want to be productive in Jesus' strength, knowing that time's almost when Jesus returned, time will be up at that point. Decisions to recognize him as Lord or not will have been made. Seeing Jesus in glory will be a shock for many who've rejected him. So now is the time to recognize him, to listen, and to act. Back to that, you know, if you have questions about knowing Jesus as Lord, don't leave without at least beginning to ask some of those questions. Verse eight, Jesus speaks, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus reminds us that he's the one who spans time and eternity. Alpha and Omega are, as you know, the beginning of the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet, other um, uh, translations add the beginning and the end, and that's the point. That's the point that he's making. Uh, and both the Father and the Son refer to themselves in this way. What amazing encouragement that all of us are, are we, we all have plans for the future, and we all have stuff that we're facing in the present. Whatever we have in the present to deal with may be joyful or awful. And we've got plans, and we may be excited about them or a little apprehensive, depending upon our situation. It's, it's amazing to, to see that Jesus already is there. He's not limited by time. He operates above time and in time, and, and we can trust him. It's meant to be a great comfort. His return is meant to be a great wake-up call and stimulus to serve him in his strength. Jesus is present throughout our entire lives, and our circumstances change. You know, we, we succeed or we fail. We grow healthy or we ill. It kind of sounds like a wedding, doesn't it? Uh, but God always is. He's the one, as Ezekiel says, Yahweh Shammah, the God who is there at any point in time. Right now, in our future, 
in our past. And that's the point to kind of take away. Uh, this is the, the film, is that Jesus' return is certain and it's imminent. It's about to happen because God looks at time way different than, than we do. Uh, and we don't know how long we have, right? Our lives and our actions have significance now and for eternity. What we do is important. If not, this wouldn't even have been written. Let's live now completely dependent on Jesus and his strength, knowing we will one day see him face to face. Isn't that awesome? In the meantime, we just need, we need times like, like worship today. We need times to get together to remind us because the, the, the evil all around us and, the, and, and worry and, and circumstances that change can just kind of smother that. Smother our, our awareness of, of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, that you are there at every point in our lives. Help us to remember that when, when joy overtakes us, when anxiety or fear or anger or frustration uh, overtake us, and we can easily forget that we can trust you because you are beyond time, you operate within time, you are not constrained by time as we are. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are the one who loved us and released us from our sins by your own blood. And we go our way worshiping you by encouraging others, loving on others, and, and just following you the rest of this week. And we do so in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.